Happy Tuesday. Welcome to NSN Daily, the home game, as we continue uh, staying away and staying healthy. And uh, guys, uh, how's it been? Chris Murray, Brian Samudio, and Alex Margulies here on your Tuesday. Uh, Chris, you actually, this morning, Chris, uh, with the new norm, had to pick up some, some educational materials for the kids. Yeah, we went and uh, got some packets uh, at the Poly Middle School. Uh, I know you could do it online as well. And uh, there were a lot of papers in this packet, so hopefully we're not wasting paper. But I just want to make sure we're doing it right. I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, it's not maybe as clear as people would like heading into Wednesday being the first day of, of social distance learning. Um, but I know teachers have put a ton of work into making sure this is as smooth as possible. I know we've gotten messages from my son's kindergarten teacher. And, uh, yeah, we're going to start grinding out some schoolwork starting uh, you know, tomorrow and, and moving forward. And, uh, you know, hopefully keep these kids uh, still learning some stuff, keep them busy because it's very easy to get bored right now staying at home. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll be happy to see their teachers' faces. I mean, they're using Zoom just like everybody else. We've had to submit a couple of videos. Uh, to my kids' uh, teachers, and, you know, they were really happy. My uh, son's kindergarten teacher and his whole class at Pulakitas Elementary is actually doing a parade of cars later today. So they're going to go through basically the bus route uh, in their cars, safe social distance, kind of do a parade. The kids can go out and wave to their teachers. So everyone kind of pulling together and making sure that, uh, you know, we can get through this educationally as easy as possible. Uh, some of the students and, I mean, student athletes that are pretty excited this morning are up at the University of Nevada, the NCAA, making the decision uh, late yesterday that they are going to grant that extra year of eligibility for all of these spring athletes. So you're talking softball, you're talking baseball, uh, golf, track and field uh, women's at the University of Nevada. Alex, I can only imagine, say you're a guy like a Jake Jackson or an Owen Schartz or, or a Kenzie Goins, a Nikola Adair, and you got that call saying you're going to get the chance to put on the uniform one more time. Well, I think it's the only way to do it. I mean, you can't just pull a year away from these kids. And, and initially, we thought it was just going to be the seniors. But I think it's going to be a challenge. There's no doubt for schools. And I think some schools are going to handle this differently. Like, I don't know how Nevada is going to do this versus maybe a Power 5 school in terms of the financial ramifications of that. And when we maybe get Doug Newton again and, and talk to him about that now that this has kind of happened. But when he speculated a few weeks ago, he was talking, he's like, what are we going to do? Because, okay, now all of a sudden you're adding all these people that weren't supposed to be here another year. And then now you've got the kids coming in as freshmen or junior college transfers. What's going to happen there? How do you figure that out? What do the rosters look like? What's the budget going to be like? You know, how much money are our kids going to get in scholarships? Are people going to lose a little bit of that? So there are still going to be ramifications of that, but that would be really tough, especially for those seniors to see their, their, their final year of college athletics stripped like that. So I think this was the right decision, uh, but it's going to be interesting, I think, how it all kind of plays out from here. Yeah, Chris, how do you think this filters out when it comes to just filling a roster? I mean, do, do they get to change to the – does the NCAA say, all right, now you can have X amount of players on your roster? Uh, what are your thoughts? How do you think they're going to do it? Yeah, I mean, among the spring sports, the only uh, sport that has a roster limitation cap is baseball, and that's being waived for this next year. So basically how it's going to work is uh, there are scholarship limits for all of these sports. I think baseball is 12.6 scholarships. So you can take whatever seniors you were going to have on your team, uh, you can give them the exact same scholarship stipend starting next season, but that doesn't count against your 12.6. So they're going to be able to go over that scholarship limit, which for power conference teams is fine. They can still pay those scholarships for a school like Nevada – that's going to be a lot more difficult. Let's say you're adding 15 full ride scholarships over all of your sports with keeping those seniors on rosters. That's a ton of money. I mean, you're talking about probably $25,000, $30,000 per one of those scholarships. So can Nevada financially afford to do that? Now they do have the option 
of decreasing the scholarship amount for those student athletes. They just can't raise it. So maybe some of these seniors come back, a guy like Jalen McLaughlin, who's probably pretty close to a full scholarship player. I mean, he's one of the best players on Nevada's baseball team. Maybe he has to take a bit of a, a cut to be able to uh, make it work financially. So there are ramifications, but I'm with Alex. I think that, you know, giving these seniors specifically a chance to get that final year to be able to go through all, all of their senior season is, is a wise decision. On the winter sports level, the NCAA Council did say that they're not going to allow an extra year of eligibility for those players. So that's mostly basketball. That's the one everybody kind of stands out in their mind is, is basketball. So some of these seniors who made the NCAA tournament maybe for the first time they're not going to be able to have an extra year. And I think that was the right decision, although a tough decision as well, because had you allowed those players to play, you would have had to give an extra year to Jazz Johnson, Lindsey Drew, Nisrae Zuzwa. It just would have made things really, really complicated. So I think the NCAA did make the wise decision moving forward, granting it to the spring sports, but not the winter sports. But certainly that's just the first domino to fall. A lot of these schools are losing money because their NCAA stipends will not be as large because the tournament wasn't played. So they're going to have less money, but they're going to have more expenses because now they can offer more scholarships than usual. So uh, it's going to be difficult for Nevada to sort out. But I do think anybody who was a senior on this year's spring sport roster should be given the opportunity to come back for the Wolfpack next year. Yeah, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow if you're a senior uh, men's basketball, women's basketball. And maybe well, you'll get Rutgers season this year as an example. And teams that got to that level, San Diego State. And to have that taken away is tough. I think it's the right decision. I agree. Uh, but doesn't mean that I like it. Uh, but I think it is the right decision. If you want to check out men's basketball coverage, still have some more of Chris's features on Nevada's players this last year, reviewing the year. Uh, last two have been Zane Meeks and Kane Milling. If you want to go to uh, nevadasportsnet.com and check that out. We got a packed show for you today. Gus Arginal is going to join us. Coming up next, former Nevada assistant men's basketball coach, part of that Sweet 16 run. We have our champion athlete of the month that is going to be Kendall Fritz, pitcher for the Wolfpack softball team. Plus, what are some former and current professional athletes doing to pass the time and stay in shape? We're going to show you that coming up. And free beer. We're going to tell you you can get some free beer on Friday. That's all coming up here on NSN Daily. Welcome back into NSN Daily. Uh, of course, our uh, our mobile presence once again, and uh, also stuck at home. Good buddy of ours and a former Nevada assistant basketball coach, Gus Arginal, now with Cal State Fullerton, coming to us from Huntington Beach in Southern California. Gus, how you been, man? It's great to see you guys. I'm uh, I'm trying to get some sun in here, but uh, it's, it's kind of a little bit colder here. I think I got a little bit of Reno weather uh, floating down this way, but it's great to see <laughs> great to see the Reno crew here and uh, hear what's going on with the pack. When it comes to uh, following Nevada, I know uh, there were a lot of changes, and you know, and that's kind of the coaching fraternity, isn't it? Is it's it's when's the next change going to happen? It's very rare when somebody stays in a in a spot for a very long time, unless your last name is Dutcher. But uh, when it comes to the transition of moving to Cal State Fullerton, what's that been like for you? It's been phenomenal. I think for me, it's always been the right fit. You know, Nevada was the right fit leaving Cal State East Bay. Uh, for me staying on the West coast was, was huge being able to work for Diedrich Taylor, who's a former PAC member. Um, and, and then again, having coach Dunson here has been, been awesome. Uh, and somewhere just that the kids have been able to, you know, get some great friends already and, and the family's doing really well. And then also, you know, being in the big West conference, I'd already coached in the conference and I was familiar with that as well. So it's, it's been an easy transition. Um, but I definitely follow the pack as much as I possibly can. And, and also what coach Muss is doing out there in Arkansas. 
We've kind of been talking with guys about, you know, the Nevada's NCAA tournament runs. You were obviously a big part of the last uh, two NCAA tournament runs for the Wolfpack. What, what do you remember most about that Sweet 16 year and then the year following where you guys went up to number five in the nation, just really did some historic uh, things in Reno? I think that it's uh, you have to go back to, for me, it's just being able to be a part of it. You know, I was a Division two basketball player. I was the kid that put up all the newspaper articles on my roof you know, or on my, the, my walls, you know, when I was growing up to, like, actually be in that, uh, to actually feel like you're a part of that run um, was a dream come true. You know, like, to win the championship going into that was a dream come true for me. But then to go into it and, you know, like, to play Texas and, like, Mo Bamba and then to – have an upset there and to keep the momentum going, I, I think it would be um, impossible to explain uh, in, in a short time, but it was like the funnest thing I've ever gone through in coaching for sure. Um, to go against Cincinnati, who had three essentially NBA players and Cumberland, Clark and uh, Evans uh, to get that one done, you know, and I saw you had Josh on there and BC and Ruta and coach, um, you know, th those groups of guys are guys you're you're so connected for the rest of your life not only just because of the championships but that team was a special group like the toughness the grit with that team um you can't really describe it I try to talk to it with our teams here at Fullerton as well like what they were all about and how together they were it was a special thing but I would say the one thing that connected everybody was was probably the community the most you know I we talk about it as a family. What do we miss about Nevada? And it's, it's this type of stuff, people caring about what you're doing and, and the pack fans. It was, it was a phenomenal run. Like I wish I could put it in a, a capsule um, and, and I will for the rest of my life. Gus, you're talking about that Cincinnati game. I remember you telling me this story later that basically you were kind of went in and you watched Cincinnati warm up. Right. And you guys went back in oh, the yeah. locker room and said, dude, these guys are good. Like this, this, yeah. this is no joke. So now after saying that and you're like, okay, we've got a challenge. How did you guys do it? How did you come back down 22? How did you beat that team when really, I mean, first 10 minutes, first 20 minutes, and they had a massive crowd. It, it felt like they were just going to run you guys out of the building. But I know the two turnovers was huge. When you, when you tell other people, like, how did you guys do this? I mean, I would say that the story you're talking about is in warmups, every head coach always asks the diligent assistant, hey, how do warmups look, look out there? you know, after how, how do we look? Do we have good energy? And so I walked out and I started hearing just like a smack. It was like a, a football or a boxing training room. And I look out there and the coaches for Cincinnati were hitting their players with mats. And I mean, it looked like the, it was, it was like abuse out there. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and then I look over and then we have Kendall Stevens shooting threes and house looks all pretty and the twins are doing their thing. Uh, we're all smiles. And I was like, and I walk in and Mus is like, well, what do you think? How do we look? I was like, coach, we're in trouble. Like, this is not good. And I, and I usually would kind of lie, a white lie here and say we're good. But this one was not going to be good, guys. We were in deep, deep, deep trouble. Um, and as the game went in, on and started, like, it, it was that. They were ready to play. They punched us in the mouth. Um, I would say that, you know, as the game went on, uh, you really got to see that special group in terms of, like, handling that type of situation. You know, down 22, I think coach had just got a tech. We were a mess. We really were, like, in the, in the huddle. Um, and really, it's kind of crazy. Like, there was a couple of defensive things that we did. Coach started, you know, trapping their best players and making some guys make some plays, which was huge on his part. Um, and then the guys just stuck with it. And I think that one thing that you learn from that is you can't hit a home run play. You're not going to get a 22-point play. Um, and what we did was we got some turnovers. Guys made some huge plays. And then, like you saw, Josh Hall uh, made some gigantic plays. Caleb Martin. But like you said, we played with six and a half, seven guys. I mean, 
those guys just knew how to win. Um, but specifically, technically, I thought the defensive adjustment was the biggest one by far. Um, coach really spread the floor out at the end of the game, let them play, uh, and, and it really turned the tide. Those guys were gigantic, though. It was like the it was like Space Jam, <laughs> the 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 monsters is what I call them. Uh, and like we had Caleb guarding a six ten player. We had uh, Hallis Cook was guarding Clark, who was six nine. And that was the special part of that group was that it didn't matter. You know, I, I thought that, um, you know, I thought we were upset when we lost to Loyola. I thought that was, you know, our run. Um, but that team just had a special thing. And if you, if you flash back a week behind that or, or uh, rewind, we were, we kind of thought we had lost, you know, our steam. Um, and it really goes to credit with the entire staff and those players. I mean, Gus, you look at that team and we've been really kind of pounding it the last week and a half. Is it? I mean, this is not a team that was built to make a deep run in a tournament. It was, you, like you said, you played six, six and a half guys. I mean, uh, Anthony Resnick was next on, we should have been one of your rotations <laughs> off the bench. I mean, yeah. you had two football players on yeah. this team. I mean, has it really struck you? I mean, it's two years ago, but has it really struck you that this is a moment in your coaching career and you're still very relatively young in your coaching career. You're going to do this. Thank a you. I appreciate time. that. Oh, you're a good guy. Uh, so certainly the best-looking guy on the screen here. But, uh, you know, when it comes to this, has it really struck you that this is such a special moment and you're going to remember it forever? There's no doubt. You know, I, I uh, again, I always say this, like, it, it, I have nothing but the most love for Nevada, Reno, like how I was treated there and the opportunity I was given there. Um, when I look back, like, things will pop up. Like, you guys do such a good job of replaying stuff, and it, it'll pop up. And there's been days where I'll, I'll like, I'll, it'll, I'll get emotional looking at those things, seeing how we all felt. And I think that's the one thing that's so crazy about sports, especially like in this time, this climate of what we're going through. Like that's what sports does for people. Like when you're sitting at home, like I could watch those games. I only did it once. I've only watched the Cincinnati game one time full all the way through. Uh, same with Loyola, same with Florida, and same with Texas. Um, but like I can get to tears. And it definitely um, – you think about it at times and, and you go, wow, like was I – how the heck did I get so lucky to be a part of that group of people um, that made that run? And I think that even though I'm, I'm 38 and I've been coaching for – this is my 16th season, I don't know how you ever beat that, to be very honest with you. I, I, and, again, I hope I can make a run like that or a better one down the road in my career, you know, and especially maybe even as a head coach someday. Um, but I think we all know we, we witnessed something that um, not a lot of people get to be so connected to. And I think all of us especially, you know, Brian, Alex, Chris, you know, like we're, we were like – you're part of the family. Um, and it's, again, it's, you just feel so great for those players as well. Those guys have such great pride. You know, I'll be, I'll get a text from the twins, from Hallis, from, from JC, who's just down the road here, um, from all those guys, Elijah Foster, whoever it is. Um, and you get a text and just says like, we did a pretty good job that day, didn't we? Or <laughs> something like funny. And we'll all like start laughing. Uh, one thing too, I just to hit on like, the special thing with that group was a game, a couple games back, we played at Utah State, and this team was so special. It was like five seconds left. We were up three or four. We stubbed in David Cunningham to guard Sam Merrill with four seconds left. Like, people don't even know that. We were in foul trouble. We put him in to face guard Sam Merrill. Like, and that's a game Cody kind of blew up and had 30-something points. But, like, that's kind of what happened. Like, coach was like, who should we put in? And we all were like, I think Dave can do it. And he went in there, and, I mean, he's guarding one of the best players in America. So, this team just – it answered the bell. They had no – they were not scared of any moment. Um, and I think that that trickled down from coach and, and also from, from our leaders in terms of the twins, JC, um, they were just special players. 
Let's talk about your latest chapter. I mean, there's worse places to live than Huntington Beach, one of the more beautiful places in America. I guess, what was your first season at Fullerton like? I mean, a lot of familiar faces of the couple of former PAC assistants. You have Vincent yeah. Lee, played for Nevada briefly, and then uh, Cameron Carter, a son of uh, David Carter, also on your guys' roster. It's been an easy transition. Like I said earlier, we, you know, being able to work for Diedrich Taylor, um, who worked for, for Coach Fox there at Nevada, has been awesome. He coached me at UC Davis a long time ago, 20 years ago, which... Welcome back into NSN Daily, former Nevada assistant basketball coach uh, Gus Arginal joining us from Huntington Beach, California, now an assistant with the Titans of Cal State Fullerton. Uh, Gus, we want to talk about the Twins and keep uh, just, just catching up with you. First off, I mean, how are you handling what we're dealing with on a daily basis? Alex has got some yoga he's doing. Chris, we don't know what Chris is doing. Chris is Batman. I think, I think Chris is Batman. Um, me, I'll get outside and We'll go for hikes in the mountains or up in the hills and stuff. What are you guys doing to get by? Good story. Well, I think – well, you can't hear anything in the background because I've, I've banished everybody to the, to the garage, to, like, the man cave. So, we got <laughs> Hannah and the boys. Uh, my, four, my fourth grader, Bo, he handles all of his Zoom calls on his own. My second grader, Ace, is a mess. He's trying to figure it out. But, you know, you'll have one guy doing art class here, one guy doing a guitar class over here. My wife's running around trying to do everything. So, it's been a little bit hectic. Um, I do think for me uh, and in coaching, this is like uncharted to be able to to be around your kids so much too. So like in a tough time, um, it's really fun to actually be around them. We've taken a bunch of bike rides. We run. I live on a trail that leads two miles to the ocean. So I'm on the I run by the beach every day or try to at least um, and be safe about it. Um, you know, the hardest part, I think, for everybody is, you know, like my mom is sick. Um, and so like, I can't go see her at a time where you would love to be able to get out and go do those things. That's probably been the toughest thing is not being able to let your kids go see their grandparents. Um, when it's, when I can't be in the office as much, you know, and you can do all your recruiting calls and do all of that like we are now, but, um, but it's been, you know, for a tough time, I think living in, living in Huntington beach, isn't that bad. The sun and, and the beach kind of keeps you feeling like there's some normalcy. So it's been, it's been just fine. You're not like learning any new weird hobbies. Like you didn't build anything. Like at some point, are you going to have to like, what are you going to resort to, to like get the, you got the kids, but at some point you're going to have to like do something different. Right. I don't know. I, I, no, I, 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 I might like learn, I might learn like a random exactly. language or something, but like. I got one for you. The original family has rewatched Lost together. We have to fast forward Ooh. to a lot of this, but the whole crew is watching Lost. So like, Obviously, at night, the boys are all scared. It's bad parenting. We apologize. <laughs> uh, me and Ace in the background play War, uh, Uno, and then what's the other one? Play We play Spot It, which if you have kids, you probably know what Spot It is. So we kind of try to do that in the background while Hannah and Bo are in the front, like really into Lost and Jack and all that stuff. So um, That's good, that, man. That's our, some good shows. Good shows to rewatch show. for sure. 100%. Hey, uh, as I kind of teased at the end of the last segment, we've asked this to you know, all these guys we caught up with, but Everyone knows in Northern Rapids how special it was to be around the Martin twins, Caleb and Cody, and to now watch their career play out on TV and, and in the NBA. Uh, Cody was drafted, Caleb was not, and Caleb then signed and performed so well in the G League. He, they they kind of had to bring up and see what he could do, and then you could see them both play together in the NBA. What's it been like for you just sitting at home watching these two kids on TV live out their dreams together? Yeah, I, everybody, I've, I've watched the other people kind of answer this question, and it's the same reaction for everybody. You don't, it doesn't surprise you at all. Um, you know, I love those, those, those guys like they're my brothers, to be honest with you, because they're probably almost as old as me, too, in some ways, right? They're, 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 
they're truly like old souls. Um, we were able to see them, our family, we went down there to a preseason game um, and watched them against the Clippers. And so just to see them and see that they were together doing that, like as a coach, um, they're like obviously the first twins I've ever had that have made the NBA. First guys that, you know, you feel so connected to them. Um, but it's no surprise, like we, I tell our guys now, like Cody Martin and Caleb Martin would come and watch film for two hours on a game day. They were – Everybody says this. They did everything you could possibly do to want to make it happen. They chose Nevada over a billion schools they could have gone to. They did all the things that probably were against the grain, and that's why it's worked out perfectly for them. You know, they took the road like that nobody else would, the path that nobody thought would really happen. And I think for all of us, that's probably a Nevada story more than any other in terms of that's what, like, Wolfpack basketball is all about is guys that uh, believe in the program, the community, they come in, they do what they're supposed to do. They win big and then they win big at the end individually as well. Um, and, and that's what it's all about. But I, I do feel like a part of that just because you are so close to them, you know, they'd come over to your house over the summer. And I always tell this story. They, they are the type of people that when they would come over to my house and sit there and, you know, have dinner with us or whatever it might be, like some guys that come over and an hour later, they're looking at their watches or their phones and they want to get out of here. Those guys are the type of people that they would sit with my kids until, you know, 10 30 at night 11 o'clock at night and just want to hang out and it makes them such great people and that's what's attracted them and allowed them to you know have such success is that people can tell that they really care they care about winning they care about the right stuff so I'm not surprised you know and I'm so happy for them and their families and I you know I hope that they can even advance their careers like let's get one of those guys as an all-star someday right you never no know. doubt you got any good Lindsey Drew stories I mean he's kind of an interesting duck he's a quiet guy sometimes you see him and you walks right by with like a frown on his face. Sometimes he's really happy. Uh, anything behind the scenes from, from your time with Lindsay? I would say that, you know, in some ways I always look back at Lindsay as probably one of the smartest point guards that I've ever been around. And being a point guard, I thought I was really smart. Um, and then as a coach, you realize he knows more about the offense and plays than you do. So you don't look as great as you think you do. And with, with, with coach, that's probably not great sometimes. But Lindsay was the consummate teammate. I think that the thing that probably – pops out to me the most unfortunately is when he got hurt to be really honest with you um and not in a sense of that that was like you know for some reason why it pops up is just it was so sad like we were we thought we could make a run with him and I thought that if we would have had him we probably could have gone to the final four like I really felt like that um the, my first you know six months with him probably the thing that stood out with, with about him was just his ability to coach other people behind the scenes you know you you always think about raw raw guys and and more in front of you like Cody Martin's a, a screamer yeller he's going to be in your face Lindsey Drew's going to do the exact same thing except behind the lines he's going to like tap you on the shoulder and be like you really messed that up like what are you doing man and he and everybody can kind of take that criticism um and I love that about him um he kind of would stare at you when you coach him and just kind of look right through you and then two minutes later he'd be able to execute exactly what you wanted how you wanted to do it um, but when he got kind of carried off the floor um, at Boise, um, it was such an emotional time. And I remember Mus being like the most emotional I'd ever seen him. And for me, it was like, wow, like what he means to this program, like we can't even explain right now. Um, and then just to see what he did afterwards, um, I think that's the biggest telling story, like how he stuck with it, how he finished his career. You know, I tried to watch as many games as possible. Like you see him against like that Utah game, like at home this year. Like I was like, wow, this is the guy that you, you wanted him to be. And so I was so happy that he could do that. Um, just like a supportive person. Um, I, I always say the one thing we would always do is when recruits come in, we made sure that uh, Lindsey Drew was always around him because he knew how to have a good time and treat him the right way and kind of show them this is what getting the Nevada love was all about. Um, so again, he's like, 
he's the man. He's a true living legend when he comes into Nevada basketball, I would say. Okay, wait a minute. Before yeah. I got to ask you about one more living legend of Nevada basketball, and he's yep. the guy directing this segment right now. He's going to be embarrassed that I bring it up. Yep. We call him the Rez. Rez, Anthony Resnick. He was the video coordinator that year. You guys went to the Sweet 16. Now he works for NSN. You guys used to share offices, the same Oof. office, right, Gus? So yeah, we were, we were about three feet res, away. Give us a Rez. Give us a Rez. You got to give us a Rez story. Well, again, you know, Rez had a pretty demanding job. Like, you want to be social media for Nevada basketball. You got to be on point, don't you? So, um, I can just picture Rez coming in on, we got a big, like the NCAA tournament week, you know, we're in there running scouts. We're, we're trying to get everything ready for Texas. And I can literally picture Rez walking in, uh, with his, his, his head held high, but literally going like Gus, I have to have 16 different things out in the next hour and a half. Like, <laughs> how do I do this? And I just meet him. True story and must laughing and getting him fired up. And, I would say that that was another part of like our office that was like so fun is, you know, like Rez and I are like great friends. Um, we literally, like I said, sat three feet away from each other. So you guys think <laughs> there was no social distancing right there. We were just breathing <laughs> on each other all day. Um, but like I welcomed him into my office because he's just such a good person. But Welcome back to NSN Daily. Shannon Kelly, Chris Murray, joined with our Wolfpack Athlete of the Month, brought to you by champion Chevrolet. Nevada softball sophomore pitcher Kendall Fritz compiling a 2.56 ERA with 72 strikeouts and 84 innings pitched this season after it came to a short, abrupt end. Kendall, thanks for joining us this afternoon. How are things going for you in Texas? Thank you. Things are going good. I'm just trying to build a new routine here. It's obviously a lot different than what I was used to, but just making the best of the situation. What was it like when uh, you guys were on the bus getting ready to go to UNLV, a huge rivalry series, and then they told you, you know, you guys have to get off the bus. The season's over. Well, honestly, that morning I kind of had a weird feeling just with knowing, like, what was going on kind of in the world and just hearing Coach T talk at practice and stuff. So when we got there, I was like, if we don't get on this bus right now, I'm going to be so sad. And I got my stuff out, and he was like, it's not looking good. So we all were just like, what? And it was crazy. I honestly was in shock because you just, like, don't believe that. I mean, you prepare forever, and then you are ready to go start conference. And then it's like, well, we're not going. And you're just like, well, okay. <laughs> at first, the Mountain West just suspended the season. And then when they canceled it, were you all a little bit surprised that things happened so quickly like that? I think, yeah, the overall, once we heard that they um, weren't allowing fans to go to March Madness, we knew it wasn't going to be looking good for us. So I think once they said suspended, I was kind of like, you know, like I knew it was going to be worse than what it had originally um, been said as. So, yeah. I mean, you were pitching really, really well in your sophomore season. I mean, over the last month of the season, you had a 1.97 ERA. You had a tremendous game against Oregon State. You held them scoreless over eight innings, 12 strikeouts, and a 1-0 victory. Why do you think you had made so many gains uh, between your freshman season and your sophomore season? Um, yeah, thank you. Um, this season, it was fun while it lasted. But I think that the biggest difference between freshman and sophomore year is freshman year, you're just really adjusting to college life and – what it's like to play at that level. I mean, the game's the same, but I think just being more comfortable with my teammates and having a year of experience under my belt just was made a world of a difference for me. Kind of going off uh, what Chris said there, what do you think you've learned from Coach Brienne just being able to help you in the circle? 
Coach B is awesome. She's kind of a quiet leader, and she's not someone that's, like, super aggressive or, like, yelling it on you. She's more of just, like, talking it through in the bullpen, and she's just so positive. And as a pitcher, like, you're usually pretty hard on yourself, so Coach B is someone that's always a positive ear, and she's always someone that I can talk to and get good advice from. So it's really cool to have been able to learn under her these past couple of years. So Coach B uh, is Brienne McGowan, a four-time state winner at Worcester High School, Gatorade Player of the Year, All-American at Oregon State, played for Team USA. Can she still bring it? If you put her on the mound today, how would she fare in a car? Oh, for sure. I, Coach B still has it. She says, uh, oh, I haven't pitched in forever, but she always, like you could tell, she still has that competitive edge, and it's fun to see her throw BP. Yeah, she's awesome. She's legit and was super good in her high school and collegiate career. I can attest to that too, because when she <laughs> was VP, <laughs> yeah. Coach T would say he would go in there just, you know, make us feel good because Coach B's <laughs> not just like a little soft toss. <laughs> no, she is still competitive. She will not have, let you have it easy, that's for sure. What made you come to Nevada, Kendall? Um, honestly, I wasn't originally coming here, but, you know, I got hurt in high school, was committed to Arkansas, different school, decommitted, and was just kind of looking for somewhere different. I really had never been to Nevada before besides Vegas. I, like, played travel ball in California, and I was like, hmm, I want to go on a visit there. You know, they were super interested in me, so I came and went to Lake Tahoe and was like, this place is awesome, and I just love, like, the people here and how different it was from what I was used to, so I think that's what, like, made me want to go or go there just because it was so different and something new, and I just like that challenge of going to the other side of the country and playing ball somewhere else, so, yeah. What were your first impressions when you stepped foot in Reno? I mean, obviously, you know, they always take people in recruiting visits up to Tahoe because you can't really beat that. But <laughs> yeah. just walking around campus, seeing the facilities, you know, seeing how, how nice everything uh, at the university is. I think what, like, really struck me was that all the buildings look so new. And I was just like, is this really a college campus? Because you go to a lot of schools and it has, like, old architecture and, you know, the history. And that's awesome. But I was like, wow, this place is awesome. The campus is just beautiful. And I liked I had, like, a small town feel. But, you know, there's still, like, a bunch of people. And, like, then you have downtown where you still have the city. So I liked the atmosphere that it had. I know you're just about two seasons in. But what would you say has been your most memorable part of playing at Nevada so far? My most memorable part of Nevada would probably be Hawaii, our, one of our most recent trips. That was really fun. We got to, like, have a whole extra day just to kind of be able just to hang out with our coaches and our teammates, like, not doing softball stuff and just, like, being together as a family. It was really fun. So that's probably one of my favorite memories. You guys obviously have to do all of your schoolwork now online, and, you, you know, you'd be right in the middle of the season with your teammates. How have you tried to keep in touch with all your teammates as you guys kind of all went your separate directions, went home, and you're just kind of waiting this thing out until we can get kind of back to normal? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You go from spending literally every second together on the road and at practice, and you're together all the time, and we're all super close and best friends. So it's been weird not seeing them every day, but we all, like, we have a group Snapchat, and, Coach T's had us do um, team meetings on Zoom twice a week. So that's been cool just to see everybody's face and see what everybody's doing. So that's nice. You pitched in what was the final game at Hickson Park this season on that Sunday against Sacramento State. Um, for all of you guys kind of looking back on it, I guess now, you know, how weird is it to think that, hey, that was our last game and we didn't even know it? 
You know, I actually was thinking about that the other day, and I really, yeah, I did not think that was going to be the last time we play, but every time I step on the field, I try to make sure that I play like it's my last, and you just, you never want to take anything for granted because you just never know what can happen, but yeah, it's it's cool that I did get to pitch that last game and that we did get to play at home, so usually we wouldn't have gotten to play at home until conference, so it was nice that we got to open up at home and we actually got those games on our field because we probably wouldn't even have played on our field yet. What you've been doing in your free time? I mean, obviously, you know, life of an athlete, you're going, 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 and now there's just so much free time to try and fill. I guess how are you? How are you filling it? And you, uh, you binge watching anything? You, you, <laughs> well, anything honestly, I've been sleeping a lot. That's something I usually don't get to do. But you know, I just been spending time with my family and going on walks with my dad and my dog, and that's something I haven't done in forever. And working out with my mom, so that's cool. And just yeah, really spending time with my family and just soaking up being home. Um, now, I guess with school starting back up, how weird is it that all of your classes are online now and trying to make that adjustment? It is extremely weird. I'm someone who definitely likes routine and I just love walking the campus. So it's, it's kind of sad that I don't get to do that, but you know, you just make the best of whatever's thrown at you. So if it's online classes, then so be it. And I just think, I mean, it's nice. You can do your classes whenever you have a lot more free time, but yeah, you definitely have to be more disciplined because with all the free time you I just have to make time for it, even though you don't want to. So, yeah. In terms of the binge watching, we have been throwing out a Tiger King. So that's on Netflix. I'm sure yeah. you're young. You probably got a Netflix account. Um, yeah. That, that seems like a pretty crazy show. It's something we've talked about on our show the last couple of days. Uh, it's basically people who have uh, tigers, big cats in, in captivity, and they're all crazy. So that's our recommendation. Uh, as far as yeah. forward to the future, I mean, obviously the NCAA potentially could give another year of eligibility to a lot of the seniors on your team. And, you know, maybe even yourself to where you would still be a senior when you come back next year. I mean, how much are you hoping that you get to play with these seniors, uh, you know, for a full season next year that you only got a partial year with this year? I love our senior class and I'm super close with them. So I think it'd be awesome if we got another year together. I just, I think that if they didn't get their year back, it would just kind of be like a weird, a weird thing. Like it's unfinished and I don't like that. I'm someone that's like a perfectionist and I just feel like they deserve to have a full senior year. And, you know, honestly, all of us deserve that year back. And I think for them, like to, they need to go out better and they need to go out on a better note. And I think that would be awesome for them. What's the biggest thing that you want to work on during this off season? Um, the biggest thing I want to work on is just like staying consistent and um, not getting too frustrated in my bullpens, but just like putting in the work and taking it with a grain of salt. Sometimes I get really frustrated because I like seeing the results right away, but I think something I want to work on is just, you know, like taking it easy and not getting so frustrated and just staying consistent with my bullpens and putting in the work and you get quality results, so. Were you pleased with how this season was going? I mean, I think you were top two or three in the Mountain West in ERA, uh, top two or three in strikeouts. I mean, it seemed like you were really becoming the ace of this program that they had been looking for for the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I was having a lot of fun, and I feel like I had more to give, and I was just getting started. So it was kind of sad to see it end so abruptly, but I'm glad that I did get to play the games that I did, and I did get to contribute how I did. And it was so fun, you know, our defense really stepped up, and we've just, like, been lights out some games. And it's just so fun to see that we were coming along and, you know, building that chemistry, and we were getting there. We started out rough, but it was cool to see that we were we were on the upcoming, so that was fun. All right, Kendall Fritz, our Wolfpack Athlete of the Month, brought to you by Champion Chevrolet. Thanks for joining us, and good luck with the rest of the semester online. Thank you. Thank well, you, guys.
We'll be right back with more on NSN Daily right after this. Welcome back into NSN Daily. Professional athletes, uh, some of them are trying to stay in shape because we all anticipate that we're going to see sports coming back, hopefully sooner than later. But let's start with a Texas Rangers star, Joey Gallo, continues to just slug his way through this shutdown. Uh, Gallo showing on Twitter, he built a batting cage, not in a garage, not out back, inside his home. Uh, at the same time, he says, you know what? I'm the only one who has to hear that crack of the bat. I'm not bothering my neighbors. Why not, Alex? I think it's a good idea. It's kind of terrifying, though. Like, I don't know how high up he is. I mean, I'm thinking at least 20th floor. And, like, what if he – I'm sure he knows, like, what he's doing. But, like, what if he accidentally pulls one too tight or, like, you know, hits one too high and he's going to break one of these windows? I hope those, those windows are bulletproof. Uh, pretty crazy. I guess you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they got to pass the time. I think everybody just has this assumption that every pro sport athlete – if you're a basketball player, you got a basketball court in your backyard. If you're a baseball player, you got a batting cage somewhere. If you're a golfer, you have a golf simulator. The majority of these athletes don't have that. And when they do come back, I don't think we're going to see a long spring training. I think they got to be ready to go immediately. And if they can't hit gyms and things like that, they got to stay in as, as good a shape as possible. So sometimes you got to get creative. And obviously, Joey was able to do that. One of the guys that's uh, known as being part of that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, a couple of Super Bowls under his belt is James Harrison. Harrison, a former linebacker with the Steelers, got a little creative with his workout by curling the Lombardi trophies. But uh, he, he does have insane workout videos we're seeing. Um, if this was better, no bet, I'd be so bet on this because not only are you getting a pump in, but you're going, yeah, won this one, won this one as well. Chris? Do they just – not every player gets a Lombardi trophy. I'm confused at how he has those how specifically. Get it? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's a great, yeah, ornament to have at your house, and it's a, it's a cool way to work out. I was just a little confused why he specifically has the Lombardi trophy as opposed to, like, Ben Roethlisberger, who's the quarterback of those teams. But, you know, good for him. Uh, secondly, with James Harrison, there's another video. He actually uses his bicep to crack an egg. <laughs> uh, so that that's how uh, – how swole he is. He can crack an egg with his bicep. That was his new uh, trick this morning. You know, I've actually been doing a lot of these home workouts and they challenge you like, hey, just go find like a regular household island. Like I've been like curling like wine bottles and like random but like juice jugs and stuff like that. Like what, literally whatever you can find to kind of use in some of these classes. If I had uh, the Lombardi trophies at my disposal to do some curls or something, I think that would be definitely the way to go. That's pretty sweet. Up in the northwest here, there's a great spot just off Rob Drive, and it's a long uphill, and it reminds me of high school and those workouts that those PE teachers and coaches will put you through, that old Jerry Rice workout of, of chugging up a hill. But, man, it just uh, – suddenly you're like, man, the quads and the hamstrings are feeling it. But, uh, yeah, I think we all have to find a way to stay active, and uh, we've got a great place to do it here in northern Nevada and northern California. Coming up next here on NSN, NSN Daily, Alex discovered this. I'm going to give him full credit. Free beer. You can get free beer this Friday. We're going to tell you how after the break. Under a minute to go here on NSN Daily. Alex, your journalistic skills came through in a big way today, finding free beer. Yeah, you know, I got this on, on Instagram. For healthcare workers, first responders, firefighters, and police, Imbibe, which is on Mill Street, is giving away free beer on Friday. They're going to bring your, their sanitized cans out to your car so you can keep that safe social distance. They are saying uh, members of the public can come as well and get some free beer, uh, basically with them being shut down. They don't serve food, so they're one of the breweries that has to shut down. 
instead of throwing the beer away, they're going to give it away. Uh, so maybe bring a donation for their employees. And if you're a first responder, go get yourself a, a, a nice beverage. Not to bring them on the show later on this week. That'll do it for NSN Daily. For Chris Murray and Alex Margulies and Anthony Resnick producing the show, I'm Brian Samudio. We'll see you tomorrow.